Well, hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Average Superstar TV. I'm your host, Lauren Lepery. Please give me that subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. We have a new show every Monday morning at 5 a.m. And this week, we are back in the independent film world. This time, we are in the horror community with independent filmmaker, Billy Pond, best known for Circus of the Dead. Billy, welcome to the show. Dude, what's going on? It's like 5 a.m. and it's like, I don't even know what the hell I'm doing up this early. What the hell's happening here? <laughs> wink, now, wink. You, you mentioned uh, Circus of the Dead, but I'm also known for my new movie, uh, Two Guys in One Cup. You might have seen that on Pornhub. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if not, everyone could go to Pornhub right now and watch it. <laughs> yes. You and I have a lot of mutual friends. Met you a couple months ago, finally in person at Texas Frightmare. Uh, you've definitely been quite active uh, with, with your film and, and and among other things. I mean, you have other other projects besides that. But I guess let's hit the rewind button. When did you know you wanted to be in the film business? Honestly, I mean, geez, you could go back to the 70s. I think when I saw Star Wars and it was like at a I was seeing like another movie and they showed a trailer for Star Wars you know, at the drive-in, and I was like in back of the truck, you know, just watching as a kid and thought, holy crap, this is what I want to do is tell stories. Um, then fast forward just a little bit to the uh, VHS revolution when it come out, and then I stumbled on Chainsaw Part 2, and then that made me go back to Chainsaw Part 1, and that made me fall in love with horror movies. Right, and you're based right out of Texas. Were you kind of going around back? Were you going around back even before it was trendy to go to those lo filming location spots, or did you... Yeah, no, yeah, we, we did all that. And I mean, I even met um, Gunner and Ed, uh, Ed Neal from Chainsaw back in, I want to say like 85 when I was like 15 years old. I didn't even have a license yet because I was young. So it's like my mom had to drop me and a buddy off. This is before conventions were big. Uh -huh. uh, it was actually a an art convention or something where they did like fantasy art, you know? Okay. And, I don't know how we ended up there, but we ended up there and I took a chainsaw blade and had it signed and all this stuff. You know, this is 85. Nobody knew about that stuff back then. But uh, I remember telling those two guys that I'm going to make a movie someday and uh, out of Texas and all this kind of stuff. And they're really, you know, helpful. You know, I mean, I got people coming and, you know, saying they're a filmmaker, too. That's why I try to pay it forward, because that's what Gunner and uh, Ed did to me when I was young. Absolutely, brother. I mean, it, it all it all starts somewhere. It's great that you were kind of you have at least some stories before. Conventions got trendy also. I'm not putting conventions down, obviously. That, they're awesome. But but yeah. it's cool because, like, I remember a few friends of mine told me in the 80s they had uh, – Fangoria had, like, horror conventions, and they weren't big at all. And he said – listen, he told me one time he was there, and Anthony Perkins was there. Yeah, Donald Pleasance was there. Like this wet dream, and there was just no one showed up. You're just like, could you imagine you took that now? I mean, good God, you know, if you ever could, you know. But. Well, you you remember Frightmare um, this past year? I mean, you couldn't even walk in there at certain times of the day. Now, I can tell you, for a guy who's on the East Coast here in Philly, Jersey area, that I've been to every con, and I would put like, I'd definitely say Texas Frightmare and Monster Mania are like the biggest like attended. Boom, you know, yeah. it, 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 it by far. I, I just think they got – I put Horror Hound pretty close too because they're at that convention center. But I, I dug the whole idea of – I'm kind of glad they moved. They announced the – the only reason – it wasn't the venue. It was the damn airport is the only thing I didn't yeah. like. I think I'm with you on that one. Yeah, the park <laughs> and all that stuff. 
Now, yeah. uh, I think like, cause I go to the, I only go to like Texas ones pretty religiously, um, especially when I'm invited, but I did the days of the dead, I guess when circus first come out, but I don't know the mad monster guys and all that. And I'm hoping to catch on a little bigger. So I start getting invites for that. But um, when I go to that cult classic convention in uh, Bastrop, it's gotten a lot busier too, but it's still small enough where you actually get, I get invited to sit at people's tables and just shoot the shit with them. And that's pretty cool. That's where you make some really good connections and just get to know. Yes. But yeah, you it, it, get a head, sh- a handshake, you know, or a side hug at Frightmare. Sometimes it's so busy. It, it's it's what I, I, I totally follow you with this. It's kind of like over here, we got chiller monster man in New Jersey horror con and you know, some of them are more powerful than the other. So when the one that's really strong, you're lucky if you get a conversation, but one that's a little more toned down, you could talk to agents, you could talk to them, you could go out to dinner with them, and you know, because really they're there to get money in the yeah. end. I mean, you're not here to stop the money train to talk to you. Yeah. So and I don't blame them. It's like when when I started this whole thing with Circus of the Dead, where is um I worked for a TV station. I was trying to talk the millionaire boss into uh investing in the movie. And um I remember they had these big meetings because before they give any money away, they want you to do dot the I's and cross the T's on everything you could possibly imagine. And I remember them saying, now this was kind of a little bit before the walking dead got big and all this. So it was like, um, the horror pie. They said the horror pie, Billy, you don't understand. There's only so much of the uh, horror pie that you get. And it's, um, you know, compared to the regular thing or comedy and all this, they're giving me all these explanations, but I just wanted to say, it's like, you guys, but I don't think I'm going to be as good at that kind of stuff as doing a romantic comedy. I mean, I'm all about horror is what I do. Um, but luckily I talked them into it and the rest was history and stuff like that. Um, I didn't make the millionaire any richer. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, he has a lifelong, uh, friend and, you know, he's a big mentor to me and stuff like that. So I learned a lot of stuff. So maybe someday my career will take off and I can give back in a charitable way, uh, in his name or something for what he did to me in the early days. Yeah. It's, it's, it's rough. Cause you know, you were on a trial and error. You know, you, you had something you believed in, you were hoping. But, you know, when you dig in more, now that you've been in the game a while, you understand that, like, physical DVD, physical media in the horror movie community, I, I don't think it is at all going away. We all love to collect, collect. But worldwide, that's kind of gone. Now, and, and ticket sales are kind of gone. So now you're down to your streaming outlets, which – you know, you and I go so well. And yeah, you can Yep, yep, they get smaller. Well, you know, when I first started with Circus, it's like, I guess we had about, we hired some um, sales agents to try to sell us, you know, these things. And they, I bet they come up with probably about 35 potential distributors and they shipped it out and you'd get a weekly update about who's biting and who's passing and all this kind of stuff. And a lot of those early ones said, uh, they had no, they didn't want to have anything to do with DVDs and Blu-rays and stuff saying there's no money there. But to me as an indie guy, I mean, that's where I've made the, the chunk of mine because horror fans are different. They want it. And if you have a different cover, they want it. If you have whatever, I mean, they, I got to have two of them. Boy, it, that kind it, of thing. They do, it's even true with like a Friday 13th or a Halloween. They don't change it. But if someone does new artwork, yes. they want they want the whole collection right next to mm-hmm. say to have a big dick contest. Almost like, yeah. look, look at me, you know. They collect everything under the sun. I've been selling my uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre stuff. You know, I bought in my teens all the way up to now is um, I saved my Circus of the Dead. but uh, And I saved the personalized stuff I got from celebrities throughout the year. But um, 
anything else it's just like i guess i'm getting off that collectible thing um now i just keep you know things that mean something i got the billy bob bear from showbiz he's for a top secret movie thing i was working on um then you got like doll boy and stuff so i only collect my stuff now mostly um besides that stuff i, but, I, uh, I, could, I could tell you and any of the filmmakers watching this by film the dark military i would tell you the top the, the top two profits out of the three it was the blu-rays that yes that, that was that was it we gave them four and a half hours of, of you know the 90-minute movie you know, audio commentary, and then all the specials. So the music videos, the making of, you know, a little of this, a little of that slideshow. But, and then after that was the logo, you know, with, with, with the T-shirts and the stickers and the and, and God, matches up. the glasses and stuff. I'm trying to match it up right. But, yeah, you know, basically the international property, you know, the property. And then three is obviously your, um, your checks from your streaming outlets, and you're kind of just like – Sometimes you're just like, why am I doing this? And other times you're like, that's kind of cool, but you know, it, it, yeah. Yeah. So just so you know, everybody, what you're getting into, you know, like it, it, everybody kind of thinks like someone, the number one issue I think a lot of indie filmmakers believe is that you make a film, you hand it off, they hand you money back, <laughs> yeah. and you're even or double or triple in profit. You're just like, you don't even know the half of it. Cause yeah. It doesn't work that well. No, and I was getting, because I put so much money, a.k.a. my wallet, in the marketing for the Dark Villager, I was putting posters and just, just $100, like, boom, put, put that out there, like, coming soon and stuff. I put so much money out that I had over 40 distri distribution companies saying we want this film now here's everything and i'm like are you forgetting the money part and they're like oh well we don't we don't purchase movies but we want yours I'm like you didn't see it yet <laughs> you know <laughs> you didn't yeah. see it yet well how do you how do you know it's not a piece of shit you know you're just like <laughs> but they want content and they look at if there's someone doing a marketing forum it that they, they're going to get all the gravy that's right that's right they do get the gravy and we get dry chicken fried steaks in yeah. the process. now we both went through uh and also another friend of ours, we went through a distributor. Yeah. Which is an aggregator. Um, and you so can we'll, we'll, we'll stop a second and say hi to Nick and Jason Rubaker and Mike and uh, good old Neil. We, uh, years later, we still didn't forget about you. <laughs> we tag into Todd Jenkins and uh, Alex Ferrari and Joe Dane on that one, too. <laughs> yeah, somebody did, – did you get after they went belly up and all that? Did you get the email or – there's one of those guys are starting a new company. Said, "I know y'all got the shaft last time, but come to this one. We'll do it the right way." Yeah, it was it was Neil who basically Alex Ferrari got him to go on his show, and basically to sum it up, it was an hour of I didn't, I wasn't a part of the problem. I don't know what happened. I'm over here now. Come with me. Yeah, I could, yeah. I could sum up the whole thing in 12 seconds with that sentence. So. You know, I don't recall. I don't remember. I don't recall the old Reagan years. You know, you're just well, it's, like, it's like it's like um, it's like a, a dirty whore as you go. Really, I know I had chlamydia last time, and that wasn't that good. But I swear it's all cleared up this time, so we can go ahead and fuck if you want. That's what it felt like. So yeah. So, but for anyone who's new, the distributor was the the aggregator that cut out these people that we're talking about, where we give put our uh, could host their film, basically in a library. Mm -hmm. the outlet, you do the marketing, and if your film gets hot, the outlets come, 
and scoop up whatever film that they desire, horror, comedy, or whatever. But it's 100% on you to do the marketing. So now you're paying more out of pocket, but they pay you quarterly. I think they took 20% and you were supposed to get 80. And these guys were all screwed over, I believe, by other distribution companies. So they created this, uh, you know, independent platform to free us from all that. And they went about 10 years. And I, Billy, I don't know when you joined. I joined within a year before they did exactly what happened to them and screwed over a thousand. It a year. We got a decent paycheck from them the first quarter. And then all of a sudden there was absolutely nothing. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like we got a decent paycheck. Um, I dare say that first paycheck might have been around 10000 or something. Um, and I think, dang, this is going to be pretty cool. And then they just dropped off the face of the earth. And without – without, you know what? It, it sucks that that whatever they did – it was, it sounds like Nick Swartz, Swartz, I think is how he says last name. I think he, he was the one that had his hand in the cookie jar the most. He's the main guy. According to Joe Dane when I had him on the show, uh, said anyway. But um, I believe it because Nick, Nick hasn't said a word. But I can't – it would be a little bit different if they just sent an email out and said, yeah. like, sorry, we let you all down. We're taking our films down so you so you could go elsewhere. You know, sorry, we suck, whatever. We would hate that. But the fact that they left them up and for anybody who doesn't understand, like our my film, particularly probably Billy's, too. We were on Amazon and for order for the film to come down. To basically to go back in our hands to try to get it put put back up so the money actually comes to us, they st it's still in their system, so it, it, they left us high and dry. It was basically like when you left the doors open to your house and you can and, and people are going in and stealing everything from your house. It's basically what was happening, and everyone's like, "Oh, I saw your movie last night." And you're like, "Thank you, but you don't under you don't freaking understand." Like, really? yeah, it's yeah, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> so it took me. 40 times easy with emails to finally get that taken down. And and it wasn't the same person I was talking to. So I'd explain. They'd be like, oh, yeah, we got word of this. We're working on it. You know, asking for info. And then someone else would be like, hi, I'm taking this over this email for Kevin, the courtesy of Amazon. Can I help you? And I have to go back over all of it again. And you're, you got to stay patient. But it took a long time. But uh, what, what burnt me up about those four guys is they got jobs like, so fast, like yeah, yeah. We're, we're swimming in shit, and and, and you know, and I got my cast members asking me what's going on. Like, oh, it went down here, it went down there, and it's like I don't want to like announce at that time. Like, hey guys, I, I kind of let you down, even though I didn't do it, but like, you know, I gotta hit, fix this. You know, it was it was very embarrassing. Well, I agree too. Is they were filmmakers, and they were doing this to help filmmakers, so. The way it ended and what they did, it just, it's not cool. It's, it's, I wouldn't do that to another filmmaker in the world is the idea they had. And I think some other people is trying to start one too. Is like, if there was a legitimate one that did that, it would save all this indie film stuff. But it's just, I guess when people see money, it's just, they think of greed or whatever and shit goes backwards. And the easiest person in the world to uh, screw with their indie guys, because what are we going to call a lawyer? You know, we're eating ramen noodle because we spent our last time on our film. It's we're not still, like we're still paying the bills while we're waiting for money to come in. And they knew that. They knew that if we can't lawyer up and fight them. It was like a, you know, it was like 12th graders playing kindergarten in dodgeball. Like, like it, it wasn't even a fight. Like, yeah, you know, so. 
So, yeah, bro. I'll tell you this, though. I got lucky on that pulling the stuff down because when um, I went to Dread because I really dug what they did with Terrifier, and uh, they got this guy working for them called uh, Joe Huai, H-U-I, Joe High, Y. Okay. Badass mofo. It's like I really like that dude. He's like they're kind of their uh, tech dude and all that. Okay. They put a call out to that guy. He makes shit happen for some reason. But anytime I ever had an issue with that, that guy's on top of it. So he's a go getter. But uh, he had us pulled down on everything really quick. So that helped a lot going to them. At least getting me pulled off of that stuff. That's great. And I believe as of now, like they're going to court. Like they're, they're, there's a legal suit. But you and I and the other thousand filmmakers, we're just going to see pennies on the dollar, which is that. Yeah. So in the end, we could probably celebrate with a. Uh, a three-fourths paid of pizza, and the rest we're going to have to pay out of our pocket. <laughs> yeah, I believe that the thing, too, is if you you do ride and you make a good movie, the cream will always rise to the top. Yeah. Um, and I still just – I still stand by that. Um, now, when I make my next movies, it'll be different. Like I said, if there's any upfront money, I think I would – because I turned that down a little bit on Circus. Um, but I wouldn't this time, I don't think. I think I would take upfront money for a stake in something because uh, – that back end sometimes too too hard to get anything back in return. Yeah. Um, also mentioned that promotion too is, I think whatever I spent my budget on making the film, I think I would want to spend about that same amount on promoting it because that because I you know you you make the the movie and you you get all the uh, pennies out of your damn uh, change thing and your your car or whatever, and you get this movie made and you go ooh that was hard that's all I got to do you know but it's like no man it's just starting it's that promotion. You got to get out there and hit the streets, um, and that's you're to sell that title out there to everybody. Without a doubt, I could tell you easily it was ten to fifteen thousand dollars, and that was over the course of years out of my pocket working overtime. And what I mean that is like an ad in Scream magazine. Uh, you know, you got your shirts, you got your stickers, and anything cool you think your 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 movie logo might work on. And then it's conventions where you go to the tables. And your movie's not even ready yet, but you're giving out free posters like here. You know, keep an eye on this. Add the Facebook page, and all that adds up. All the gas money, staying buying the tables. But you are reaching if you're making a horror movie. If you're not going to conventions, you're not in this. You, you, you're you're even more so than film festivals. I think people say film festivals, and I love film festivals, and they're fun. But those are usually other filmmakers there at those things. The conventions, that's the fucking fans, man. That's who you want. That's, and that's something I take pride in is is to treat the fans really good. Um, and I love them, you know, other than Lance Wagner. That's the only one I hate. But um, He's a redheaded troll. What's wrong with him? Oh, wait, he doesn't have hair. <laughs> I'm saying that. You, Lance. <laughs> that's what made me love this, doing this, is going to those conventions. Um, It was accidentally at uh, – Texas Frightmare, I think, golly, 2011, 10. And somebody had me enter my uh, Dollboy short. The first thing I did, and I hated it. And uh, it blew up there. And it's like people still to this day talk about that. It's like so funny what a convention will do if you get the right thing in their hands. It's like that's what's made my career is the conventions, you know, that and a decent movie. Yeah, by, by far. Well, I, I was really I really liked the whole vibe down there when I was down there because uh, for anyone knows, I usually drive cross country once a year and I always revolve it around a convention. So like the year before it was Horror Hound in Indianapolis, but this year I, I set up for Texas Frightmare. But I really like the environment and 
you know, I saw some like drama stuff going on, but like compared to what happens over here on the East Coast, yeah. it was a light beer. Like I was like, oh, not all that's happening here. Pff, I- <laughs> yeah, no. no movie business without drama, that's for sure. But that oh, goes God. on like, in the movie too. I mean, that goes on with uh, hell. It goes on at home, <laughs> without a doubt. But I would say. One thing I liked about you guys down there, it, it, they seem to be more receptive to people like you who aren't, you know, you, like you're the indie guy. You know, you seem to have always at least three to four people waiting to meet you. Like when I would do this and other filmmakers like me around here, you, you could kind of go 15, 20 minutes where someone even looks your way because they yeah. want to meet the Friday the 13th and the screen people. Like they're kind of yes. like cool, but call me in a few years where yeah. I think in Texas and that lower area down there, I think they just like, like, what do you got here? Yeah, I'll buy that. What do you got? Yeah. 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 I'll take a chance. Yeah. Maybe it's that Southern hospitality though. But the, uh, the coolest thing is I'll tell you one story about, uh, front mares. I was, I try to convince everybody about it. You know, do you, if I see them wearing a, uh, devil read devil's rejects or house of thousand corpses thing, I'll try to, you know, sell them on my movie, you know, not yeah. even just to make the sale. Well, this guy comes by and I was trying to sell him or something like that. I go, you know what? I said, I'll tell you what. So I popped open a, a DVD. I signed it and I gave it to the dude. And he goes, well, no, I don't. I go, I go, I tell you what, if you watch this movie and don't like it, you can bring it back to me next time I see it. Well, anyway, fast forward three or four years, this guy comes up to me and I try to act like I know everybody, at least like, I don't know who the hell you are, Lord. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, so this guy comes up and he's telling me the story. And he said, hey, it's sitting on my shelf. He goes, I thought it was some kind of goofy ass, um, you know, cheesy indie movie. And I gave it a chance, man. He goes, he goes, holy shit, that was actually a really, really, really good movie. And he goes, I'll come by here to bring you the uh, $8 for the DVD. Ah. I was like, it was like four years later. That's, that's a beautiful, dude, that's beautiful knowing anytime. And I know you, we all do. We get stressed at times of like, why am I doing this? It's little stories like that that keep you going. You know, it's the fans, definitely. If it wasn't for the fans, it's – I think I lost my uh, – I think distributor um, prison raped me so bad that it kind of took away that excitement and enthusiasm about making movies. Now it's it's solely for the fans. Um, I like to make the fans happy, and that's what I want to do. Uh, even when I write scripts and stuff now, my new stuff, it's – it's going to be what I did and it's still going to be a good movie, but I'm really keeping fans in mind now. It's like, I, I just really pay attention to what they like and what they don't like and stuff. And that's what I'm trying to do these days. Absolutely. I, I dig it. So jumping back to circus of the dead, like this was what year did you, was this, was this 2013? Were you saying? Well, we, we, uh, we shot it in 2013. Um, and then when I shot it, I go, well, heck, you know, I can edit like nobody's business. I said, it'll take me a month. <laughs> yeah. It was a rough cut. And um, Lloyd at Frightmare said we could have a uh, screening. We did two-night screening, standing room only, which is a lot of damn people at Frightmare. And uh, we, we showed a rough cut of it. Back then, it was like two hours and 20 minutes long. Yeah. And uh, that was the only complaint I got it. But it went off so well that it started, you know, distributors started coming out of the thing and all this kind of stuff. And, um, uh so we just did a rough cut in 2014. The film didn't get out until 17, late 17. And that was with Distriber. And then all that stuff went to hell in a handbasket. And then... Uh, the real Dread, release was when? <laughs> the real release was when? Yeah, the real release is probably 21. Maka. 
Yeah, so let that soak in. So you're talking like eight years before it actually got a legitimate real release. It's crazy because you always have people then asking you about it. Uh, the movie, you start feeling a little dated, maybe even, or kind of like I'm sick of looking at the damn thing. You love it, but you also like you have a love-hate for it. Like, you don't love it. <laughs> I hate it, in fact. Um, and, and two, there's like we had some older people in there, and I, I would damn say there's probably about eight people that's passed away since we made that movie. Um you know, it's it's pretty crazy. And then people, ex-friends and stuff like that, that you don't want to have nothing to do with or in it. And so I'm looking forward to a new chapter, um, doing some new stuff. And uh, we're trying to do head shop down there and uh, bash drop um, in conjunction with the, the gas station down there and stuff. So I actually yeah, film it on the wait, wait, wait a second, Billy. Are you talking about this gas station? Yes. Did you get to go? <laughs> Did you yeah, love it? Or I was there to try the day before I met you. I I, I remember I, I came from, I pit stopped in Austin and it was too much homeless. I was like, I'm getting the hell out of here. So <laughs> I, I shot up. And I was like, I'm going to get up the Frightmare a little early. And I, I was like, I know the gas station's running. And I Googled it up and it was like 20 minutes. I had an hour left. So I got there and I met that kid, Caleb, and all that. And it was uh. I met Caleb and I'm and I'm sitting out back eating a roast beef sandwich and I met the cool orange cat. He was hanging out with me for a yeah. while. <laughs> yeah. I think everybody who goes there knows the cat. So I'm, the, I'm Chinese, so when I went there, I ate that cat. And oh, made, you horrible human. Yeah, I made some uh, chicken chow mein or cat chow mein. It was real good. Um, but no, I had no meat in its bones. I don't know what you ate. <laughs> yeah. I've seen those things out there. I don't know if that same one's out there. I spent about a, a week there uh, going through a divorce one time, and they're closed for the holidays or something, and uh, it was raining. It was the most surreal thing there, but it, I wrote a started writing Head Shop there in conjunction with that guy, with Roy Rose out at the uh, gas station, and um, it uh, it was really good for riding there, you know, being depressed and having the blues and sitting back here at the rain and the cats and stuff. It was pretty dang cool. So it's something, you know, I'll remember the rest of my life. That's that's awesome, and and so you're helping them at an event, or you're trying to do an event there? No, we're gonna we're gonna do a movie together. Oh, um, yeah, we're just both lovers of of horror, and we've sit and talked so much that we think we know how to do it right. So we're doing like a fifty fifty thing. Um, okay. He's alpha, and I'm alpha, and we bump heads a lot. But uh, I've yet to see one movie production where people don't butt heads. Um, well, Alphas and alphas in Texas. I'd never heard of such a thing. <laughs> well, he's from he's from Ohio, Cleveland, but we won't hold that against him. But uh, hey, that's a tough bunch out there too. Cleveland, yes, in Cleveland. Oh yeah, yeah he, he says it all the time. See, I didn't know. I said, I said, I thought all the rednecks and white trash were in uh, Texas and in the southern states. And he's like, no, actually, they're all over here too. So uh, yeah, but uh, no, we we got something special. Um, it's very chainsaw two ish. Um, oh darn! Yeah. <laughs> well, it's fun. It's very fun because I think that when I do these conventions and stuff like that, and they screen the movies, like you know, um, that's a great test audience. That's your best test audience you'll get because that's your audience. And uh, there's parts where, like the in Circus of the Dead, where they Noodle Dome slams that baby on the ground, and uh, I've seen people get up and walk out of every screening. And instead of getting upset about it, I kind of giggle. Um, but that's what you want is when people see stuff like that. You also um, don't want you don't want to offend the sake of offending and like, oh, that's yeah. how I'm gonna make my career. But you also don't want a safe movie. You yes. don't want like, a, like, 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 what's the point of that? Well, you've seen how it's getting these days. I mean, you you look at like the 
like even look at Terrifier, they talk about the sawing, the woman's being sawed in half, and yeah, you have to have an oh shit moment in every horror movie. But shit, they're doing that in Walking Dead and stuff, and these TV shows they're look, pushing. Look, the look at the all. Walking Dead. What was the more? What was more violent ever in that one season when they had Terminus with the bashing yes. face? And that, I mean, you want to talk about a physical hit, and then the pit. I was like, damn. I'm like, how are they getting away with this? This is TV too, but think about you watching that ten years before. You would have never seen nothing like that no. on TV. Yeah, no. it's just everything's changed now. I think we could push it when you have the Taliban and stuff like that cutting American soldiers' heads and stuff off. It's we're a little desensitized to a lot of things now. People think, "Hey, Billy, do you, you see this person I killed?" And I go, "I don't want to watch that shit. I only yeah. like fake death. I don't yeah. do the real yeah. shit." You're absolutely right. And what you said about like the Taliban, like someone will be like, "Yo, they, they just call." I was like, "You want to watch?" I'm like. I don't know that guy, but he's on my team, and that's someone's that's yeah. someone's son. No, I'm not watching that with you. And you're an asshole for you're an asshole for like get over here, everybody watch. I think that sucks. That's what I say. I go, I'm not a 14 year old boy going through puberty now. I don't have to see dead bodies and stuff like that. When I was young, you know, we had faces of death and stuff. We had rent and stuff, but um, I just got over that. The older I get, I guess the mortality and all that kind of stuff. I like. Telling a story, you know, a fake story. I, I look at what you just said. You said the F word, fake. Like all our characters, you know, you know, circus yeah. dead to the dark military to terrify. It's all made up. But I, I also could even go as far as like as I got older, like when I see the guy walking around with a John Wayne Gacy shirt. Yeah, I, I, like, dude, dude, I, I, I get the, what you're trying to go for, but like that really happened. Yeah, there's nothing funny about your shirt. Like, like, like you know, you gotta, you gotta think that little. Same thing with Richard Ramirez or Charlie Manson. Like, you, you gotta, you gotta, kind of, you gotta know where the line is. And you know, it's those serial killers. I'm, I'm very enthralled with that, and I like doing it. The uh, me and my girlfriend, we were talking about that recently. That she, she said she wasn't feeling good about wearing, you know, serial killers and stuff. And I have like a serial killer guitar that I themed and made up and. I got was, a sign. Did that, that happen to be brought made by the great Sean? No, that's no. The, the dead guitar. Yeah, that one's okay. pretty cool. That come from Sean did the work. I come up with the uh, idea and everything, and we we took some factory second parts that they found that were at the PV factory because Eddie switched companies and started his own company, Eddie Van Halen. So these were pieces that were left in the dark for shit. I think twenty years or something. Wow. And this. Factory got open and they said, "Hey, sell it into a garage sale for all these uh, guitar uh, files." And uh, I ended up with some pieces, and we made a hell of a damn guitar because that's one of my favorite. You sure did. And uh, for real say, I, I met Sean back in September when I was doing cross country. Uh, you know, he lives kind of close to Hayes, yeah. Colorado. And I stayed there, and I got, I saw the mad the madman shop and everything. It was pretty cool. He had a, he had a good great guy. He's a He's these are like the people him and like Lance Wagner all that they're, they're the people that are supporting people like us. Yeah, so yeah they're, the they're, they're well. Uh, they're you know th those people are great. We I, I value them very much. I do too. Um, he, if I ever go through there, though, I'm gonna take a big shit in this toilet. Probably is what I'm looking forward to. Sean uh, woodworking in there. So, <laughs> well, maybe Sean could carve something into it. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um. So when how long how many weeks did this take for you to shoot? Uh, don't be freaked out, but it took us just uh, like four weeks. Okay, Good. we did every day, and I worked a full time job. Well, I shot the dark military in exactly like eight days. So, oh, I, okay. I, I know, yeah. yeah, but you got to keep in mind you need to, as a director, kind of know 
uh, I took my cat. This, this is something else anybody could take knowledge when they do the, their movie. I had like 70 cast members and I said, here's the timeline. I have to have you all this week. And, you know, and I'll cut you and I'll never need to see you again. So we are going to shoot straight through. And it's literally like the woods are there. The police office is right there. Like, you know, this is over. Everything was within a quick two mile. Okay. So everybody knows setups is everything. Setups is what slows a film down. So, you know, when you got cranes in the woods and what dropping the lights, like now let's move it over here. Or, you know, or everybody turn around and look this way. It looks a different set of woods. You got to have a literally dark military, a military type of thing of like, go, 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 go. And, you know, we did yeah. that. Cause I've seen, I need to see your movie. I haven't seen it yet. It's free on Tubi and uh, Sumo. Okay, well, I'll make sure I uh, watch it. I'm, I'll make the uh, – I got a stepson here now, and we like to watch that kind of stuff, so we'll watch it for sure. Yeah, who knows? You might even know us an actor or two in there So because it was a big cast. And that was kind of not too many years after you, and I had like a four-year – you said like about technically up to two, 2021, but you did release it in 17, so you had basically a four-year. I yeah. kind of had a four-year situation too because – my editor bought a house right after the movie, so I'm kind of like trying to help him get his house together so we can start editing. And then, you know, we're both working jobs on top of that. So I, then you got your cast, like, when's it coming out? When's it coming out? Now they're losing interest a little bit. So it's so hard, basically, folks, like, to do something like this. Like, you have to see it through. Your name's on the line. You can't, you can't just film it and shelf it. I don't know. Yeah. How, I know people. I don't know how they do that, but they do. Though I, I think it's probably. What would you think? At least four to four out of ten people do that. That start off in this movie thing. Maybe more. What I think happens is, you know, it's the soft PC world we live in. It's coddling. It's gotten worse the last couple of years. That's a whole different story. But I just think people look at like I made a film. Glory, glory, glory. And then, like, the, the work starts. Okay, okay. And then it's like, I didn't think it was going to be this hard. Yeah. Uh, I kind of miss I kind of miss this over here and that. I'll, I'll, I'll get back to it. And then, you know, their head's down. Like, what happened to your movie? I thought you were taking over the world, you know? So you, you, you got to obsess. I obsess over something. Like, I have to. If I start painting a room, I have to complete it that night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have to. Everything. Or, or I won't be able to sleep. So. When you're making a movie, you believe me, I'm like right back at work the next day thinking about, all right, as soon as we get there, we pull those clips up, you know, <laughs> and, you know, you're just so. Well, you're, you're a traffic coordinator, traffic cop, so to speak, when you're a director, especially on India's, you kind of kind of do everything. It's like you said, putting everything in one space is real smart. We did that, too, is we had a studio in an underground warehouse. We shot all the stuff within a uh, quarter mile all around those buildings in downtown except when we shot at my haunted house. So it's like, we kind of kept it there. And, and that's how when you watch my movies, right. You'll think there's a lot of different spots, but it's like, it's, it's really not. It's just, but that's the only way you can make a movie like, like, and turn out like we shot on two red cams, like, because there was so many people more covered two cameras, you know, we can wrap this up a lot quicker. So, you know, and I'm like a war general because I'm trying to keep everyone's spirits up. You know, I got to do my lines. I got to, you know, Make sure everybody eats. Hell, I, I dropped over $2,000 in food. Yeah. And what I mean that is, like, it, not, it's not like I paid every actor. I'll say that straight up front. But I want them to have not dominoes. I want them to have, you know, beef, this. Oh, you're vegan? I got you this. You know, you're vegetarian? I got you this. And 
this is just a courtesy thing I would tell filmmakers is when it was time to eat, a lot of people are like, get the director's food, leave the director alone. It's the director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did not do that. I lined up at the beginning of the table and said, like, I appreciate you. Go. Next yeah, one. I was the last one to eat. I was the last one to eat, showing yeah. respect to my cast. And I kind of want them to keep with that, you know, keep that in their yeah. head. Like, let you know, like, yo, you know, thank you. They, we've, we've, I think a, a good movie starts with a well-fed cast. I would say that's important. Um, I know I saw Bill uh, Oberst Jr. and uh, Parrish Randall one day over there eating and talking to one another. And uh, I said, you guys, what are y'all talking about? Is it private? And they go, we're just saying that we're not eating, you know, Little Caesars. And we're eating uh, some barbecue, like real barbecue and real food, you know, with forks and knives and all this stuff. We can't believe it. So I said, just using, usually how indie movies are made. I'll give you a, a funny story everybody can relate to with these two characters because you definitely know them. Uh, Bill Mosley and Sig Hag were doing one of their million Q&As over the last, you know, 15 years until, unfortunately, Sid went to horror movie heaven. But they talked about an independent movie that they that they kept feeding them pizza and they said is there any filmmakers out there and someone said like you know some people put their hands up he goes we're going to explain something to you if you're going to feed us pizza every day you're going to get a pizza performance out of us <laughs> <laughs> and it's right it's like yo they don't feel yeah yeah like like take care of them they go that he said feeding your cast goes a long way and the crew you know yeah, no one wants to eat dominoes every day no matter how much they like pizza Yep. But we, you know, I wouldn't, I learned so much. That's why I can't wait to dive into the next one um, to do that. I've done a bunch of shorts and stuff in between here or uh, collaborations on anthologies. Like I did one uh, with cryptids with Joe Bob. Um, and it's got a, it was done by Zane Hersberger and Justin Seaman that did the barn, the barn part two and all that stuff. Yep. Um, and I think we're finally wrapping that up, but that was, I shot that right before I got cancer. So it's like funny, like there's a lot of stuff, that you may shoot five or six years ago and revisit five or six years later. It's kind of funny to hear you directing and stuff. You're like in a completely different place in life. So yeah. And, and I just came friends with you on Facebook when, when you were going through that. Yeah. So oh, yeah, boy, it took all my hair and everything. Uh, it damn near killed me. I dare say, I don't think I've ever been close that close to death in my whole life. And here you are standing strong and tall. So. Or, or am I a zombie? But you didn't bite me when I saw you. So so far, so good. <laughs> Unless it's a cat, and yeah. I put it in the yeah the, the fried rice. <laughs> yeah, but um, so what, what would you give advice to any filmmaker that's trying to dive into this mad world right these days? Is this to talk to other filmmakers that's done it and actually listen to them? Um, it's it's to me is the and if somebody's watching this and you're a filmmaker, write this shit down. I'm going to say it again. You need to write this shit down. But if you can't fucking focus a camera or get good sound, you know, then don't make a movie. Don't fucking make a movie because you, you can't even do the basics right. That's the stuff that's killing this industry right now. Find somebody that can help you. Maybe you're just a great writer and you find a good director or whatever. Just the simple basics is what's killing it. It's like if I put an indie movie on. And you can't hear what's going on or they're recording with the uh, camera's mic and they're like 30 yeah. feet away from the person and they're doing a serious performance. I mean, come on, guys. It's just this little basic stuff. 
So yeah. get the basics. And if you want to learn the basics, go volunteer on an indie set somewhere. Just, you know, just be there and see what's going on. Cause then your ass isn't on the line. You can watch other people and what they do and how they handle these issues. And it's just going to come in very handy. There's a local, a lot of local people here and anybody in film in this area hits me up and there's some real good filmmakers and stuff too. And that's what they're doing is they, they cut their jo- their chops on my set and now they're doing their own stuff and new guys are going to their sets and learning. So it's just like paying it forward, but just the basics, the basics, the basics. You can make a good film with a, with an iPhone these days. Just make sure you're focused and make sure you got good sound and stuff like that, you know? So, um, so to mirror what you just said, because I loved everything you just said, um, I would definitely say lighting and audio make a film. The actors cannot shine. I don't care who they are. They, 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 yeah. they need that. And exactly what Bill you just said is – what I did, I volunteered to, for a, a horror movie that took about 30 days to do. And I mean, I'm walking in and I'm watching these lights get set up, these 650s and 350s, and they're using this language. I have no idea what they're talking about. So it, just be honest. You know, it's be like, hi, I am brand new. I, I will do whatever you want. You know, but I'm here to learn a mirror. And I also say, if you show up for one of these movies and it's just a guy with a camera and no other equipment, this isn't the guy to mirror. No, no, it's not. I, because I, I cannot say before I did that, I, I was making a lot of short films with a group that everyone, every weekend, someone knew was the director because they're just walking around with a camera. And guess what happens after a while? You watch someone walking around with a camera. This doesn't look hard. I'll be a director. So yes. you're all, you're all, we're all making this output of us, what I call a sea of shit. <laughs> it, it, it took for me to sending this out to people that were like, oh, I've been hearing you doing a lot. Like that, they laughed in my face and was like, all right, buddy, sit down. You ready for this? You know, and then you're like, okay, don't be afraid. Don't, you can't, you can't have your feelings get hurt either. At all. No. Something. I'll say one more thing too is we've, we've adopted this at, um, Frightmare. It's like the, it's like my heart and soul is what I do is this, um, fake trailer showcase that I do every year out at Frightmare. And I say showcase because I don't like pitting filmmakers against one another, but I do where when, when uh, Grindhouse come out, remember they had the uh, fake trailer competition and um, then uh, Hobo with a shotgun won it. And then when he, when Jason Eisner did that movie, he had a contest and I entered uh, Mr. Fister and it like did unbelievably really well. And, um, but I thought that's the best way to learn to make a film because you could do that in two or three days uh, you do this little two-minute video, and it's like a little bit of part of everything. Somebody talking, doing a soundbite, or somebody doing some action. And it kind of will show you what you're strong at and what you're weak at. So I tell everybody in this, when I do this Filmmaking 101 class with Chuck Norfolk and uh, Courtney Sandifer, is that we we um, we tell them that, you know, go out and start small. I mean, if you're brand new, can you imagine doing a feature brand spanking new and not ever picking up a camera? No, and that's why I would say kind of what you're saying here. But I would also say, tell yourself I'm not making a film for a year. I, I could start prepping in my head, but try to go volunteers for some features and some short films and make sure they're different people each time because you could start comparing things. You could start picking up bad habits too. Yes. Bad habits, yeah. Yes, you're gonna spot things because I remember after I volunteered for that movie set, getting my first feature film that never was released, where I was um one of the leads I was I was hired for, and 
it was a college kid with a camera. Like I went from all this down to here and little by little, like I didn't want, I, I want to show respect. Cause he's like the director, but after a while I pulled him aside. I'm like, Can I say something. You won't get mad. I'm like, why are you not shooting it this way? Like, Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, why, why is the new guy telling this guy? So yeah, it's, it's also called one of those live and learns and it sucked guys. Cause the film I'm talking about, I had to drive two hours to go shoot all day. And it I never, it never came out. I was like a college school teacher and stuff. Like I had all the clothes and all that. I was in, I, I was so pumped. And then like, he sent me like a little clip of it that night. And I was like, Ooh, like, I, I don't even want, I don't want to share this even. Cause he shot me from far away and he has no audio. Right. You're, you're hearing me from back here delivering dialogue. <laughs> so you know, I cut my chops doing a, I come down here to Midland Odessa and there they had a, photographer spot open at the videographer at the local TV station and uh, that they didn't hire me for that position but they hired me for the uh, crew doing the newscast um, and that's where I got my foot in the door and within four or five years of directing news then I jumped to create a service and uh, that's doing one or two commercials a day for you know 20 years that's what taught me to make movies a lot better is you know, the whole focusing, getting sound and this and that and doing something with nothing because you show up to a shitty car lot and it's 110 degrees out here in West Texas and they say, hey, whatever you want to do, just do it and get us the hell out of here because we're tired. You know, and you got to pull some magic out of your butt in an hour to get everybody out of there. So that's that's where I cut my chops is on local TV production. Well, good. That's that, that's you, you can't get much better than that besides a movie set. Like, yeah, you, it's TV and film. That's where that's where you got to learn. It was doing that and doing gay porn. That's how I met Lance Wagner and Sean yeah. Smith and Brian Clay. I think that's how Lance is still making a living, eh? <laughs> <laughs> it's, you ever see their movie Three Men in a Dildo? It was like Three Men and a Baby, but it was a dildo, yeah. <laughs> fun, fun. I use, that, I use that term men very loosely, like very loosely. <laughs> But getting back, I know we just kind of we've been talking about conventions, but just give the filmmakers a little uh, recap about how important it is for them to, especially if they're into horror movies, how important it is to get involved with that. Way more important than uh, film festivals, I dare say, because like I said, those conventions are going to walk by. Um, don't shortchange yourself. Make sure you got good posters. Um, be open to criticism and get good quality stuff because good quality stuff is going to make somebody remember you, a good name on your movie and all this kind of stuff. If you show out, show up out there and you got a, uh, your little sister made a poster board with your name and a drawn picture on it, you don't look very professional. Get your banner made up and make it look like you've got something that needs to be seen. And then you sell it with your personality and stuff and it all starts there. And then they see the movie and hopefully they like it. Um, but you'll meet more people shaking hands and kissing those babies at those conventions than you will at any film festival or anything else. So that's, that's just a really good way to do it is get out there and meet people at these conventions. I will also say in addition, what Billy's talking about falls into the evening hours too. Like I, I like when these conventions end at a certain time, but there's the after party, there's mm -hmm. the bar, there's the restaurant, there's the standing outside. Like I, for years, everyone's like, how are you meeting all these people? It's like, you stay. Yeah, yeah. You, you figure you figure out a way to try to get into a conversation. Maybe you know a friend of a friend of a friend. You know what, guys? There's times where you can try to start a conversation and they excuse themselves. Like, like, don't take that rudely. They either had to go or maybe they wanna. They're unsure of you for a little bit. But you, yeah. it, 
it, everybody's got to play the game a little bit, yes. you know? We teach them that in that um, when we do the uh, fake horror trailer showcase, um, I'll have everybody that was filmmaker stand up at the end and then have them all come up to uh, meet and greet with one another up at the front, you know, make those contacts. Cause I always say that's very important, you know? So uh, we try to do that too and try to teach it to other people too, but um, they'll figure it out, get to the conventions, watch other people, even go to a convention and watch what, you know, Lauren's doing or watch what, don't watch what I'm doing because that's going to be probably uh, very obscene. Um, but watch what other professionals are doing and just see how they do it. See how these big, uh, cause you know, you got celebrities too. Like Mosley's pretty good to talk to. And some of these people, you'd be surprised how they're just like you or me and just good people. And, um, I think that's where I learned to act. I learned a lot of my act about to the fans is how, about from Parrish Randall. Uh, cause that dude treated his fans really good. And when I first met him, I said, Hey, I want to be like that. Um, so I just try to do that is treat my fans really good because he does do that. So for sure. Yep. Absolutely. It, it, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful community. Maybe it's cause you don't see them as much cause it's like, there's only so many conventions a year, but it's, it's amazing when you know, you kind of arrived when you could go to any convention across the country and it's like, there's him, there's she, they, they, you, you get to know the vendors even and stuff, you yeah. know, like, so it's, it's, it's a beautiful community. And one thing I tell, I tell myself even, but I'll tell everybody else. For like Mike, myself, Billy, we grew up on horror movies and stuff. You know, you heard them later talk, earlier talking about you know Texas Chainsaw Massacre two and all this stuff. But don't forget, don't ever lose your fandom. And I mean, that doesn't mean go up to Robert England and try to hug him and all that. I just mean like I go to the Q and A still. So like the Monster Squad Q and A that happened in Texas Frightmare, same thing with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre reunion. It's still awesome to go in and sit down with the fans and just listen to what stories about about that era. It's really important not to forget why you loved where you came from and be very respectful to them. I'll tell you my uh, Sid Haig story. I went to that first Frightmare and. Um, just, I even wrote Circus of the Dead because I love the Captain Spaulding character so much. But um, I seen him walk in the hotel. I didn't know what to do. It's fucking Sid Hey, It's the first time I saw something like this. And I went up to him to shake his hand. And he goes, hey, calm down. Uh, calm the fuck down, Sparky. I'm here all weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but now we fast forward two or three years. And I was doing that uh, circuit on Days of the Dead. And uh, we're in, um, where were we? I think we were like Chicago or something. It snowed in or something. And um, we we're eating breakfast, me and a couple of guys from circus. And he goes, bloody bill. He goes, can I sit down and join you guys for breakfast? And I was thinking to myself, holy fucking shit, man. It's like, I finally fucking made it in life. It's like, he just treated me like I was one of the guys there, you know, at the end. And I just felt so happy for that though. But uh, that's the same thing with Marilyn Burns. I, I had stuff to do with her too. And I didn't get to it. And I had stuff to do with him and I didn't get to it. And um. It just scares me all these people passed away so quickly and stuff. So my, my heroes, you know, from the horror world. Well, I, I say this every day, including like today. I always say make the best you could out of out of every day. But when you're at a convention and you're starting to feel you're running out of gas and you're looking at your watch or your phone and you're just like, I got to get out of here. Question. Be like, what's another few hours? You might, yeah. you know what I mean? That you might remember, you know, especially if you're hanging out with someone older that like this could be the last time you see this person you're right i mean i can i can honestly probably give you 
I mean, Angus Graham, I met, uh, Dieter Laser from Human Centipede, he's passed. Um, just think about all the people, Sid, Marilyn, Gunner. Yep. Um, it's just so many people that's already, the guys from uh, Reanimator, uh, the older guy, Stuart, was it Stuart Gordon? Anyway, um, those guys are all gone already. It's happening so quick and stuff, and it's just so sad. So, um, yeah, I mean, you better take take advantage while you can to meet your heroes. Without a doubt. And I'll remember uh, Brooke McCarter from The Lost Boys, which was my favorite movie. Where we were on first-name basis, and, you know, I always always went the extra mile when he was here. We were always out in a big group for Billy Work and everything. But, you know, we – didn't know who knew at such a young age he had you know he had a liver problem and then just one day it's in the news feed he's gone so make it matter yeah most definitely sweet so uh i guess get ready to wrap this up here you stay on when i, when I cut this i still want to chat with you about a couple other things but uh where will we see you take my off? huh did you still want me to take my clothes off or was that private uh, that's gonna be private so no, not, not a cat's out of the bag but uh Give any plugs you got, especially for where anyone can see Circus of the Dead. Uh, well, actually, we're free. Check everywhere, but we're free on um, YouTube right now. Just search Circus of the Dead full movie. I think it's a uh, Horror Central has us. You can watch it free. I think there's a little spot or two that pops up a commercial, but uh, only 15 seconds. Watch it. I always tell everybody to watch past credits. Um, keep an eye out what we're doing next. Cryptid should be coming out soon. Um, it's an anthology. Um, and maybe Headshot's coming here soon, too. We're going to be shooting it soon. And then, of course, Cowboys from Hell, which is my labor of love. That's why I always wear this hat to remind me never forget about my movie Cowboys from Hell. So um, that's going to be my opus movie that I can uh, retire on and just say, okay, I did everything I could do, wanted to do in life. So Sweet. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, anyone who needs to contact you, what's a good way to get a hold of you? Just do social media? Call my uh, secretary, Lance Wagner. And uh, have him reach out to me. That is, as I did, basically. Yeah. <laughs> he, he likes to sit on my lap and take notes. Um, and that's usually the best way. And then he could tell me. So that way I don't have to be a dick and say, I don't want to talk to Lauren. <laughs> Lance, you came through again. Thank you. But All right. Well, with that, I will thank this audience for taking the time, stopping by Average Superstar TV. Please give that subscribe button on YouTube, Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. And with that, I will say the party is over and I will shut this down.